0: welcome to two peas on a pod my name is peyton and joining me as always is my brother parker how was your divisional round weekend
1: yeah there was a lot of good football these top four i mean these are the top four i think you know deserve to be there so It's going to be interesting. I think these are two matchups no one can really complain about uh, that we're going to get into today, but uh, pretty satisfying weekend all around.
0: Yeah, and we are recording this immediately after the Kansas City-Buffalo game, and we are going to get to that shortly, but we do have some uh, slight news that we want to cover from other parts of the sports world. First off, uh, while we were in between recordings, a big trade in the NBA happened. Uh, Pascal Siakam, forward for the Toronto Raptors formerly, uh, is now an Indiana Pacer. He was traded to the Pacers from the Raptors in exchange for Bruce Brown, Jordan Nwora, and uh, some first-round picks as well uh, to this year, this upcoming year in 2024, and then a conditional 26 first. Now, the Toronto side of this, I don't think is as important. I mean, they're clearly shifting into a rebuild uh, as of right now, but as far as the Indiana side of it, that's where things get really interesting. We know that Tyrese Halliburton is still hurt, but with uh, Pascal Siakam in the fold as a really versatile and two-way wing, he, he's a great scorer as a forward, but also is a really you know lanky defender at that position. How do you think that him and Tyrese Halliburton fit together, and do you think that this makes the Pacers a—I I don't know if we want to consider them in the same— Tier as like the Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee, but do you think that they are the top of that next tier, just below those teams?
1: Yeah, I th- I think this trade makes Indiana a threat, um, especially after how well they played in the in season tournament, and Tyrese Halliburton's playing, you know, uh, almost flawlessly. You know, more he's playing at a level where you can't expect more from him. You know, as a as such as a young player and to, like, be leading the team the way he is, and Pascal Siakam, I mean, that's a big, that's a big pickup. It'll definitely get Pacer fans kind of riled up, and he also has finals experience, so I think it's a good pickup for them.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I, like, in my opinion, I think that a team, like, because we've seen them give this team troubles as far as East opponents, I think that Let's say they get matched up with a Milwaukee in the playoffs somehow. I actually think that that could cause them a lot of troubles because even when we watched them play in the in-season tournament, Indiana was giving Milwaukee a ton of trouble uh, in, in their matchups so far this year. So I, I think that this could lead to them making a surprise conference championship run depending on the matchup that they get uh, come playoff time, considering that we think they are going to be one of the playoff teams. so. But moving on into the next portion of the news. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on is just that we, we talked about the Nick Saban departure and the Kalen DeBoer hire at Alabama, but I don't know if you've been seeing any of the news regarding some of the portal uh, moves that have been happening more specifically players leaving Alabama as a result. And I'm sure that this was probably predictable in your end, but um, I, I mean, was there anything that you noted as a result of that that you think that could be concerning for Alabama fans going forward?
1: absolutely uh the there it's not that alabama's losing just a great coach they're losing a culture essentially um when it comes to alabama football and nick saban football a lot of players go there because it's the culture there you know it's uh it's it's everything at 100% and win everything you know and they've done really well at it uh, since nick saban's been there and that might be a turnoff i mean you know this it, it's it's just hard To go for a lot of the players that are already on the team, I'm sure it's hard to go from Nick Saban to the next guy and keep the same drive going, if that makes sense. So, I mean, you know, it's not surprising that players are leaving. It is a little crazy to me that some of the best players on the roster are leaving the team. Right. And that's like, you know, it's like, whoa, like Alabama still going to be an SEC team, still going to be a contender. It's just not going to be a Nick Saban driven team.
0: Yeah, and uh, two of those players being the quarterback, the number one quarterback recruit in the country in the 2024 class saying that uh, transferred over to Ohio State, along with Caleb Downs, freshman standout defensive back, uh, who also is going to Ohio State. And uh, the last piece of news I wanted to touch on was just some Ohio State news specifically is that in addition to those transfers that they got, they also hired Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator. And to me, this just signals along with some of the the players staying that we didn't expect to stay. I mean, Jack Sawyer, defensive end, who could have gone to the draft, is staying. Uh, In addition to that, Travion Henderson, standout running back for Ohio State, probably could have gone to the draft, is also staying. So And Amike Ibuka, which I don't think we talked about him, but he was probably going to be a late first-round wide receiver uh, in this upcoming draft class, maybe an early second-rounder. But he ended up saying he was going to stay for a senior season, which I don't think many people expected. So it seems to me like this the, this hire by Ohio State, along with all the moves that have happened in the past week or so, this signals to me that Ohio State took the Michigan National Championship win personally. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean there I think it's a good hire. Uh Bill O'Brien has a lot of experience and he's actually a pretty, pretty decent offense coordinator. And I, I think he'll do really well at the college level. I, th- I think it's a level where you can kind of get a little more creative. Yeah. And not but have he to won a about. he
0: won a natty with uh Mac Jones whenever Bama was, you know, in yeah. the national championship game. So
1: Yeah, I know. And and that's coming from the Nick Saban staff, you know, usually guys. That coach with good coaches end up end up doing all right. I mean, we're gonna talk about it here in a second, but D'Amico Ryan's one of them.
0: And uh that's really all we have for the news. We'll go ahead and go into our divisional round review. And Parker, you want to kick us off with the AFC games first?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And because I brought up Damico Ryan's, I am gonna go ahead and talk about uh Baltimore Houston and um the Baltimore Ravens at home held it down, they won 34 to 10. Uh, against the Houston Texans, knocking them out of the playoffs, getting them to the first AFC Championship since 2012. Um, Peyton, what are your takeaways? Uh,
0: this was the you know the meme that they had us in the first half. Not gonna lie, because it was 10 to 10 at half, and it, based on the way that the game was going, I mean, Baltimore was really giving C.J. Stroud hell on defense. Uh, I mean the way that they scored the 10 points was they had a field goal very early I believe on the first drive of the game and then they had a punt return for a touchdown that was the only touchdown that they scored all game and aside from that Baltimore really gave CJ Stroud a good idea of what kind of defenses you were going to face whenever you get past the wild card round of the playoffs. I, I mean I think that I think this is a very valuable game for CJ Stroud, but you could definitely tell the talent disparity between this Houston team and this Baltimore team. Because while Houston's a great story, I think that there's very clearly some growth that needs to happen, some additional veteran pieces that need to be added to this roster for anything to happen uh, in regards to considering them for a contender any at any point going forward, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, watching this game, uh, to me, the first half, hats off to to Houston man i mean i think they were playing lamar jackson i think D'Amico ryan was doing exactly what he wanted to do uh to yeah. stop lamar jackson the first half game was close 10 to 10 offense couldn't really get things going but i do think that they were primarily focused on stopping lamar um right. to be honest with you. i think the offense it wasn't really their primary focus probably all week lo- all week long but that that being said second half lamar jackson looked completely different and the defense came out fresh <laughs> And the fact that CJ Stroud couldn't get past, he never entered the 20, like he never got past Baltimore's 25 yard line. Didn't, right. didn't have one trip to the red zone. Um, that being said, I mean, I know they put up 34 points, but hats off to the defense because it's been really difficult for teams. Look, I mean, look at the Browns defense. Uh, they they couldn't stop CJ Stroud at all. Right. And it just, it speaks volumes for this Baltimore defense going into the uh, AFC championship against another Really good team um, for, with a guy that knows how to win. So we're just going to trans uh, go ahead and uh, transition into that if that's I, all right with you. I, yeah, I do want
0: to say one more thing about both sides of the ball. First thing, I, the big thing on the second half uh, for Baltimore was the fact that Lamar started to evade pressure a little bit more. Because in the first half, they seemed like they, was getting, they were getting to Lamar a lot. And I think they had three first half sacks and even more pressures. Um, but obviously he figured that out in the second half. I think that was the big difference is you started to see him move around a little bit more, uh, you know, extend plays. Obviously he had the couple of rushing touchdowns as well on the game that, I mean, you showed, you started to see him use his legs and really, cause he's gotten to the point where he doesn't really rely on them as much. So, but he still has those moments where it's like, Hey, I can do this too. You know, <laughs> so like, but on the Houston side of things, I do want to say, I think it is s- s- brighter days ahead for the Houston, Texas, as far as the the franchise and what they're built on. I mean, you have to think they have a franchise left tackle that they've had for a few years in Laramie Tunsil. They have a franchise defensive end in Will Anderson, who's a rookie. They have a franchise number one corner in Derek Stingley, who is finally healthy, it looks like, and who is finally kind of coming to his own as a pretty, I would say borderline elite corner. Probably. As,
1: as a second-year player.
0: Yeah. And then, obviously, First and you know, more important than anything, they also have the franchise quarterback C.J. Stroud. The fact that they have the four most important positions figured out, and three of them are second-year players or younger, is pretty
1: incredible to me. So, and, and, and I agree. I mean, this team is so young, and you're not even mentioning uh, Nico Collins, who is yeah. a young guy, and you're not mentioning Tank Dell, who was just injured, yeah. who just yeah. kind of, or even
0: or even uh, Christian Harris, who's a second-year player who was really really good in this game.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this team is so young, and, I mean, it seems like D'Amico kind of found – not necessarily found a home, but I could see him riding with C.J. Stroud for a few years and seeing how that goes. Um, Definitely. I don't, I don't think the Texans are doing anything uh, with that c- scenario. So, um, not a bad not a bad season at all for the Houston Texans. Uh, hats off to them. Hats off to C.J. Stroud. You know, you, you really just weren't the better team in this scenario. So, there's no – No real, you know, I should, Houston fans shouldn't be, you know, pouting. There's no reason to pout. You had a really good season. All right. Now on the other side of the AFC, uh, let's go ahead and get into this matchup that we just got done watching. Uh, Kansas city goes to Buffalo and wins 27 to 24 off of a heartbreaking way for Buffalo fans to, to end their season. Uh, Probably should have gotten some free football there uh, with some overtime um, or an amazing drive by Patrick Mahomes, one or the other. And Uh, we got robbed because of a missed field goal. uh, And and
0: not only that, but it was a missed field goal to the right, which if you know anything about Buffalo fans lore, uh, that's how they lost one of their Super Bowls and one of the four that they had the chance to win in the nineties. And um, the fact that they had another kick in that scenario in a year, in a year where it seemed like they had momentum on their side and towards the end of the season and to have, the season end in that circumstance is just, I, I, I don't really know how to tell Bills fans to feel good about this because the other thing is, before that field goal, we saw Josh Allen miss a wide open Khalil Shakir. And they did, you know, they pointed out uh, on the broadcast that he was hit a little bit, like nudged a little bit with Chris Jones applying pressure. But that's that's the play to me that's, you're going to look back on that play and say, Holy cow, we missed that was a the game golden
1: opportunity. Yeah, and that play was that play looks just like the Gabe Davis play. Um, yeah. and he, oh, I, I don't know if you saw it, but he showed Stefan Diggs. I mean, Stefan Diggs had a 12 yard gain there, he, he, all he had to yes. do was dump it off to Stefan, and Stefan was going to get 10 to 12 yards, in my opinion, right? So, right, I think that's the play that you look at. I mean, he went for the home run ball, you know, if it gets there, he's a superhero, you know, right? So, it's just one of those moments. The nudge to me, it didn't look like it should have affected the throw as much as it did,
0: right? Right. I, I mean, think we, he- we're 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 sitting over here on the couch watching. We we can't really say much about throwing mechanics. I'm not gonna lie.
1: <laughs> I know, but 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 that's what we're supposed to do. Um, that, 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 that that's our job as fans is is to create these opinions about these guys. Right. Um, so, to me, I think this was a classic. Kansas City, Buffalo matchup. You know, the field goal goes in, we might still be watching the game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, once again, once again, it's just this rivalry. I guess I would call it at this point. I, I think it's a rivalry at this point. It continues to provide for us football fans. I, I think this is, this was definitely the, other than maybe, I guess, the San Fran Green Bay game, this was the, the most entertaining game from a storyline standpoint. And I, I think that, I, I truly think that the right team didn't win. I I actually think that Buffalo played better overall the entire game than Kansas City did, which is kind of a a rough one because I I mean, Buffalo's offense was really, especially the run game was bullying the Chiefs for a while, especially in the first half. It seemed like the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't get off the field on defense. And I mean, it was just the fact that they, they kind of stopped running the ball as much and then, when they did run the ball, they weren't as effective in the second half, and I think that was the biggest difference in the game. That's what allowed Kansas City to kind of come back and gain that momentum towards the end of the game, especially like in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, I. This game, Travis Kelsey had a great game. Yep, and it's it's crazy to me how when Travis pl- when Travis puts up numbers, the Chiefs usually win. And often than not, uh, more more often. Than not. And another thing is well, uh Caleb already said it in our group chat. Taylor Swift is going to the AFC championship, by the way. The first season in the league, she has made it there. Um and on this game, while we're here, can we talk about Jason Kelsey just coming Dude. out of his shell? <laughs> like t- I will tell you what, I, man. I'm, you know, here's the thing.
0: He he this is not coming out of his shell. He has been this way since we since the, the parade incident. Yeah. Like yeah, this, this has you're, always you're right. been him.
1: You're right, but I feel like now he's he's out of the league, and he can like do that oh. in public. Like now he's like, like he is like he is full on. Like I want my brother to win five rings. Like he has
0: like no f's to give. So yeah, he's no, just he's, like
1: he's Jason Kelsey, dude. Who's gonna who's gonna tell Jason Kelsey no? Who that's fair? Who's gonna who's gonna say Jason, you need to calm down? Nobody, nobody <laughs> is telling that guy that. So especially um, that after after I, if you're one of the fans that just saw one of the
0: buffalo fans specifically because he, obviously he was rooting for the chiefs. If you're one of those buffalo fans in the stands when he climbed out of the the press box or the suite to go into the stands, like what do you say to him? Do you just like sit there and like cower in fear because you're worried he's going to destroy you or are you like,
1: "No, dude, you're you're just you're you're just at at peak adrenaline at that point." Yeah. At that point you're like, "Whatever this guy throws at me, whatever happens, I'm glad I was here for it. Like that's, right. it's just one of those moments where you're just like, right? Holy crap! Like Travis or Jason Kelsey just hopped out of the booth all, all, yeah, into the I'll, nose and into, also, the, into the nosebleeds. Like he's like up I, there with the guys that paid like bottom dollar to be there. And right. Jason, Jason Kelsey jumps out of the, the club. But like,
0: going back to the game, I mean, there I will say there was a couple of times. With specifically, there was a time where the bail, the Bills got bailed out. And I thought that after that happened, I thought that momentum was going to carry and that the Bills were going to win the game. And that was when first they had a fake punt inside their own 35, which I was like, whenever I saw it called, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way. And of course, it was to Damari Hamlin, which we're not going to get into that. But I also had a feeling that they did that because they're like, we got to get this guy involved and get some, you know, like because of the story or whatever. I, I think that that was a terrible decision. Because it did not work out well. <laughs> and right, But the, but luckily for Buffalo, on the next possession that KC had the ball as a result of that, you have Michael Hardman going on a trick play, almost like a sweep or like a pitch. You know, like that weird forward pass that all the teams do? Yeah. They throw it to Hardman, and he fumbles it out of the end zone, and Buffalo gets the ball back. So right. in a moment where it, it's like Kansas City is about to go up two scores, all of a sudden... In my opinion, the momentum shifted enough to where I was like, oh, okay, the Bills are going to win this game as a result of this. And that's when they you had a couple of possessions back and forth, and then obviously we end up with a miskicked. And I I just I I hate it for Buffalo fans. But as far as the Chiefs side of things, I mean I think that it was a great defensive adjustment in the second half for them. And also I, I want to continue to give kudos to Isaiah Pacheco. That dude runs harder than any other running back in the NFL right now. And I think that he he's really the key to this offense staying on the field a lot of times. He he creates so much more manageable situations for this offense because without him, I think that this Chiefs offense would be stuck in a lot of you know second and nines and third and you know sevens. And I I, I don't think this team is built to consistently convert those third and longs and those second and longs.
1: No, it, it's it's very impressive to me because you. See- A lot of running backs, you know, get there's a lot of run plays where they gain two, three yards, one yard, two yard, three yards. Isaiah Pacheco, it seems like when it's supposed to be a two yard gain, he comes out with six, and it's because of how hard he runs. And I totally agree with what you're saying. You don't, you honestly don't see this team in too many scenarios to where they aren't at third and four or less, right? Um, And I I think that that helps his team out. Tremendously. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about this Kansas City Buffalo game? Or
0: um I I will say like a lot of people, or I say a lot of people, but like the first thing that all the you know the sports apps I get notifications for say is instant classic. I don't know if I'd label it as an instant classic. It was a really good game. Because instant classics to me are the kind of games that like live in infamy, and maybe it will, like, over time, maybe this will kind of be part of the Bills story as a franchise. Maybe it's like another opportunity to try and get a, you know, get to the AFC Championship or even the Super Bowl just wasted, you know. Maybe maybe that that's the importance of this game as far as legacy goes, but I I mean, I I think it was a really good game. I don't know about it being like a all-timer as far as playoff games go.
1: All I'm going to say is Patrick Mahomes wins. <laughs> that he does. He- he, he, fi- he wins. He is really good at winning football games and it's going to be hard to bet against him going forward. I mean, it's going to be really hard for me to say, I'm confident that Baltimore is going to beat Kansas city.
0: And hey, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit.
1: Yeah. But we do we have will. a couple more games uh, let's to, get go, to get to first. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move into the NFC. Let's go ahead and go to the other side of uh, the NFL. And we're going to start off with the number one seed. Um, I think this was the most concerning game of the weekend. San Francisco beats Green Bay 24 to 21 in San Fran.
0: Yes. And man, was this a, this was almost a shocker. If you were watching this game, I think that there was a moment where in the third quarter and I think they were up 21 to, I guess it would have been 21 to 17, I guess. And I was starting to have to come to grips with the fact that at that point it seemed like the Packers were going to win this game. And it occurred to me that, holy crap, that means that the Packers, the Lions, or the Bucks are going to be playing in the Super Bowl. One of the three. And I was kind of having to like reconcile with the fact that that was going to be a reality I was going to have to face. Then almost immediately after I started like finally think- going into that thought process and kind of preparing myself mentally for that, that is when the first Jordan Love interception happened. And it was like, okay, this is kind of what the San Francisco team needed to try and get back into this game. And it, at that point, that kind of changed the tone, and it became much more of a an even fight at that point. Because it, really, for the first half of the game, even though it was close, I thought Green Bay was just – Kicking their butts, if I'm being honest, it, it, the score didn't reflect it, but that's what I saw,
1: and I saw the same thing. Green Bay was kind uh, of out firing at the San Francisco team. Um, they looked really good. San Fran looked really complacent. Um, they had Christian McCaffrey pretty much shut down until his touchdown. Um, All right, McCaffrey had like 33 yards halfway through the third quarter, and and it was just like, wow, they've they're the Green Bay might have the recipe right to, to stop in the San Fran team. And another thing is Green Bay missed a very crucial field goal.
0: Oh, yeah. Gave the ball yeah.
1: gave the ball gave the ball to to San Fran on I think the 34 um which if they would have made the field goal they possibly could have you know pushed them back a little further whether they bring it out and get it to the 18 or take a touchback and get it to the 25 but Anyways, besides the point, they miss a really crucial field goal. It wasn't that long of a field goal. Um, 44 yarders in a game like that, you got to make those. um, Yeah. You know, and and their kicker's been a problem for them all year. I mean, he hasn't had a great season and he's a rookie. Um, Big moment for, you know, a young guy like that to put his team on his shoulders to get up by a full touchdown and they couldn't get it done.
0: Yeah, the one thing I do want to say about the Packers is I I don't think this is like... I I think that if you're a Packers fan, this is probably more than you could have ever expected from this season. Um, I do think that the takeaway I have from this game is that although Jordan Love made some, some tough throws as far as some tough decisions in throwing those two picks both to Dre Greenlaw... I think that this game showed me that he is kind of <laughs> he he's the guy. I, I know that we said this before, but I think that he is going to be a guy in this league for a while. This guy is the way that I came out of this game.
1: Yeah, and what now? I have a, I do have a question for you. Uh, what does this close game mean to you going forward for San Fran? Okay. Like, are you worried? Are you concerned for Brock Purdy or, because of this? I know we're going to do a, a a preview of next week's matchup, but like what, uh, specifically in this game, in the playoff scenario, in the divisional round, after a first round bye, and possibly having one of the greatest rosters that the NFL will ever see. What what do you take on this when it comes to the seventh round pick? Brock so Purdy? so,
0: I I am very much not a like huge Brock Purdy fan. I will give him one benefit of the doubt. Actually two. I'll say two. Uh first, the rain started coming down real heavy at some points in the game, especially towards the middle. I mean, there were they kept showing shots of Brock having to like there was one clip specifically where mid throwing motion or no, not throwing he wipes motion but, but mid step back after the snap, he has the ball in his hands. He's scanning the field and he wipes his hand on his towel. And it's like I don't know that I've ever seen a player do that in the middle of about basically preparing to throw the ball (laughs) and because just of how you, just how you would have to recalibrate your grip in order. And he did it with his throwing hand that he wiped off. So that, that was one thing is that I think the weather definitely had an impact on him. I don't expect it to rain in California like that again next week. So I'll say that I think that there were a couple of throws that you could tell that he either, just put a little bit too much on, or under through, or through behind guys because I think the rain was impacting them a little bit. But more importantly, I want to say that the thing that I think really hurt San Fran in this game—this is not like rock—they're you know groundbreaking because it's very obvious—was there was a particular player in this game who was not playing almost the entire game, and that is Debo Samuel. And we saw at an earlier point in the year that without Debo Samuel this team or with or without really any one of the skill players that this team is very different with whenever one of those pieces is missing and the problem is that we have no idea if Debo Samuel is going to play next week there is a from what we understand it's a shoulder injury that are re from earlier in the season and earlier in the season with this same injury Debo missed two weeks they are saying that he has a chance to play on Sunday he probably can if he really you know If he really thinks that he needs to, he probably can't. Will he? We actually don't know that yet because we are recording on Sunday night right after the games. So keep an eye on that information throughout the week because that will impact my opinion on the game, this this NFC Championship game, this
1: upcoming week. Now, uh, before we get off this game, I want to ask you something about the other side of the ball um, in Green Bay. They kind of remind me of – the Houston Texans a little bit, the way they're built. Um, They do have, you know, a, a little bit older running back uh, uh as when it comes to AJ or I'm sorry, Aaron Jones. But to me, I mean, Jordan loves playing his first season. Christian Watson being um, a second year guy. It's a threat. Romeo Dobbs, uh, second year guy, threat. Jaden Reed, rookie. um Musgrave. And I mean, it just seems like they kind of have a younger team. Um, and then they have, it looks like they have corner kind of figured out, you know, they have Jairo Alexander. They, they kind of have some of the same pieces, I would say, that, that the Houston Texans have.
0: I would agree with that in the sense that I, I will say, I think they do not have a true wide receiver one. I'm not the biggest Christian Watson fan, truthfully. Uh, but I think that as a whole, I think your point stands because... All six of their primary pass catchers on offense, aside from Bo Melton, who caught the touchdown, who, I mean, he's kind of been a borderline roster guy. But aside from him, the six main pass catchers between Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Dotsavian Wicks, uh, who's a rookie this year, and then both Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, who are both rookies this year at tight end. Those six guys are all second year players or younger. And I think that those really, and I think that all of them are capable. They're not stars by any means, but I think they are all capable pass catchers. And I think that whenever you have six guys like that, you might not need a true wide receiver one when you can constantly rely on that many guys to be contributors in the passing offense. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think that they've invested a lot of first round picks into that front seven. I worry about the secondary a little bit more than maybe you do because I do like Jerry and Alexander, but I think that their secondary can be taken advantage of. Uh, the second half of the year was better. Uh, they did have a kid named Ballantyne who was the cornerback too, who started kind of coming on um, towards the end of the year and he started playing better, but I'm still a little skeptical about their back end. So we'll see. But I do think this is really encouraging for the Packers. I think that you're, you're not too far off when you say that they kind of have a Texans build I mean, the only thing that I wouldn't be confident about is their 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 offensive line needs a little bit of help. Unlike Houston, I think Houston has a little bit better of a situation there.
1: I agree, but I will say this: their offensive line played well in the playoffs. I mean, yes, they yes, they played they against did. they played against two of the best defensive lines in the, in the league, and right. they got a they got a, a you know overwhelming win in one of those games, putting up forty eight points. And they got a close one. I mean, they they probably should. They were in this football game, and honestly, the better team prevailed. But they had a good chance at winning. They, I would say, Green Bay didn't necessarily get robbed, but they lost this one more than San Fran won this one.
0: I, I totally agree with that. I think that San Fran, the thing that you, you got, like like I said earlier, I think the thing to watch this upcoming week is watching how Debo Samuel progresses after the injury. That's that's going to be the whole game for me. It sounds like I'm maybe overacting a little bit, but to me that, that changes everything about this team.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we talked about this earlier in the season. Um, we brought it up a couple episodes when San Fran was going in their slump in the middle of the season. They kind of had like their mid-season crisis. Um, and they lost, what, three in a row it was for San Fran? Something like that. And then Debo came back against the Jags and they won like by they won by like 24. And yeah, it and I, I do think it's crazy how how just one piece from that offense is missing. And it's like there's a big confusion. Um yeah. in the yeah. offense. But let's go ahead and get off that game. Uh Sam Franz moving on to the NFC Championship. And let's get into the next one, man. We have Detroit and Tampa Bay. Um good football game. Mm-hmm. Detroit Lions come away with a win, 31-23. And you have here the lovable Lions. Your, your your team at the beginning of the season that said, oh, this is everybody's sexy team. This is everybody's... And now they're, they're going to the NFC Championship.
0: Which, congrats to them. I'm actually really happy for Lions fans, despite me being a Vikings fan. I, I think that everybody pretty much except for the Packers, when I say everybody, I mean like the Vikings and the Bears fan bases, are actually really okay with the lions being good right now. I think it's because the lions have sucked my entire life and your entire life. So to have a franchise that has been so, they haven't been completely irrelevant, but they have pretty much not been super important to like what I think of whenever I think of the NFL. And then now I think the turnaround that Dan Campbell has done with the entire franchise, along with, you know, help from the, the GM and, You know the uh, the rest of the coaching staff, like Aaron Glenn and other guys, Ben Johnson, of course. I I think what they've done is pretty incredible here. Um, They this is the first time the Lions are going to be playing in the NFC Championship game since 1991. And um, I did see something that you know we're not talking about the Cowboys this week. Surprisingly, they haven't come up yet uh, in I don't know minute mark thirty or so. But I did see something that I thought you would be interested in, and. It was a Lions and Cowboys postseason comparison stat. (laughs) Since 1996, the Detroit Lions have one conference championship appearance. Dallas Cowboys have Mm -hmm. zero. Mm -hmm. Detroit Lions have two playoff wins. Dallas Cowboys have one. Right. And it just makes me I don't want to talk about the Cowboys a ton, but you know, obligatory. I have to kind of throw you a bone every now and then it does kind of put into perspective how bad it's been to be a cowboys fan recently (laughs) really your your lifetime my my whole life
1: recently this is all i know Um, (laughs)
0: so i I just thought it was relevant to the lion to to telling how how bad the lions have been in comparison to a franchise that we think is one of the better franchises in the league i guess the way to say it
1: well while we're on the subject before we talk a little bit more about the, the actual game that happened, I am going to respond to what you have said. Okay. Um. And my response is, and this is, this is my take on it because I've been alive for 25 years and I've never seen the Cowboys. Um. You know, you just gave the stats. That's what I've seen since I've been alive. I was born in 1998. Um, that's uh, every everything you just said. That's all I've seen the Cowboys accomplish. Right. But here's the thing. If, Let's say Sam Fran loses to Detroit. Okay? Let's say Detroit does make it to the Super Bowl. I don't think the focus is on the Dallas Cowboys anymore. I really don't. No, it's on
0: this, it's on the 49ers.
1: (laughs) And 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 to me, the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl. It's been long, it's a longer drought than the Cowboys. Correct. And and what does it mean? What does it mean when you've been there twice? The Cowboys haven't been there once. You went to the NFC Championship last game last year. Couldn't get the job done. Lost to the Eagles, who then lost in the Super Bowl. You couldn't even beat the team that lost in the Super Bowl. Right. Injuries, okay, so what? That's part of the NFL. That happens. And then this year, you have, besides your quarterback, you have the best roster in the NFL and probably the best roster we're going to see for a while. I mean, this is a... Dominant team on both sides of the ball with studs at every position. Yeah. Best linebacker core, probably the best defensive line, the best running back, uh, a top four tight end, uh, two great receivers in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk if Debo plays. And you have Kyle Shanahan. So if if, if the 49ers lose, I think that is a way bigger disappointment than it is for the Dallas Cowboys to have as many winning seasons as they have and only have one playoff win. For the, for the 49ers to not be able to get the job done. Because it, when it all comes out in the wash, all the 49ers have done is gotten worse draft picks, and they still don't come home with any hardware. So that's how right. I feel about it. Is If you don't win a Super Bowl, you don't accomplish anything in my mind. If you don't win it all, it does not matter. It just adds to the agony of the fact that you were that close. There's there's you my know,
0: take. The Rambler is proud <laughs> The Rambler is very proud of you in that rant. So, uh, but that, let's, that, I, I, I feel
1: like that's a very valid thing to say.
0: I, I do. I want to go back to the actual game that happened, though, and get, get off of this uh, Cowboys portion of the show. Uh, I didn't want I to do, talk
1: about the Cowboys. That was about the Niners. I had, that had nothing to do with I know, the Cowboys. I know.
0: I know. Uh, so going back to this game, though, I, I do want to talk about the Lions for a second because I actually think that this score is a lot closer than the game really was. Uh, the game at halftime was 10-10, much like this was honestly a lot like that Ravens game to me. Because the the Bucks got like a last, you know, in the last couple minutes, they had that touchdown to Mike Evans that made this an eight-point game. But if you ask me, like this game was after midway through the third quarter, end of the third quarter, this game was over. I, the Lions started to really figure it out offensively. I think that there was a lot of struggles offensively on both sides of the ball for both teams in the first half. I think there was just a lot of, like, I, I don't know what it was. I think both quarterbacks were a little like uneasy b- based on the circumstances. Uh, I, I mean, especially Baker. I mean, Baker was off pretty much the entire first half. I, I there was it wasn't until I think it was right before, uh, I think it was in the third quarter, where he put together a drive where in he, he, it was with Kate Otten for the majority of the time, um, where it was like, oh wow, okay, this looks like the good Baker make field that we've seen. That was the first time that I had seen him play like that the whole game. Uh, but really on the Detroit side of the ball, I think that offensively this was just a great game by them. I think that they did some things schematically that are really going to carry into the next game. Like they did a lot of, uh, they, they really used Amon Ross St. Brown, how we, we've really found him to be the most effective where it's in the short passing game. A lot of times getting him on like wheel routes and things like that and seeing him being utilized as primary weapon but also seeing sam laporta come back and be just a reliable middle of the field target and even on like close to the sideline throws and little out routes and curls and things like that that that's really what this passing game is predicated on and then also i want to give props to jameer gibbs he is an incredible athlete at the running back position and he really opened up this game a lot based on just some explosive plays that he had uh in that second half so
1: um yeah i'm gonna kick this off with saying that i was very impressed with the buccaneers playoff um appearance this year if i'm a bucks fan i am you know not really not really sweating at all i mean this is just you had a good chance to go, you had a really good chance to go to the NFC Championship. I mean, at the end you're going into the fourth quarter, tie ball game 17-17. Right? Yeah. And yes, you're kicking off to the other team, but you're going into the fourth quarter with a shot. I mean, you it is zero-zero at that point. And you have 15 minutes of football left to, to preview the better team. And hats off. I mean, hats off to the Bucks for for doing what they've done. Uh, good for the Lions, good for their organization, good for Dan Campbell, good for Jared Goff, looks really good on his resume as far as a legacy he'll eventually leave behind when he leaves the league. And that's got me super excited for what we have coming up next, which is going to be our conference championship re- preview.
0: Yeah, and we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about the conference that we just reviewed. And that's going to be the NFC championship game with the Detroit Lions going to San Francisco to take on the San Francisco 49ers. And the line at open is San Francisco minus seven. And I, I am really looking forward to both of these games. Uh, really. I, I don't think that I, I think there in past years. Some of these games have been kind of the matchups that we don't really expect or really like some kind of combination. That's like, I'm not sure about that game. They, both of these conference championship games are ones that I am very excited to watch genuinely and that I think are super interesting matchups. Uh, going to this first one, wh- what I'm really interested to see is how this Detroit offense matches up against the San Francisco defense. And I think that what the element that is going to be really, really interesting to watch is going to be how the San Francisco linebackers, uh, more specifically Fred Warner and Dre, uh, sorry Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, I, I want to see how they play against a Jared Goff type of quarterback and how they also affect the run game because this Detroit offense operates the best whenever they have a balanced attack, especially with their two running backs and David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. If they're able to kind of contain the run game in any facet, it makes me think that what they might be able to do is force Jared Goff into just playing elite quarterback play. And I, I want, I don't know how confident I feel about Jared Goff being able to do that.
1: So I am really wanting a week one NFL kickoff rematch. Um, I, I would love to see Detroit, Kansas city. Um, considering they were the ones to start the year off. It's only right to let the ones who started, it finish it.
0: It would and be kind of cool.
1: And it would and be poetic cool. and poetic. Yes. Uh, considering that Detroit beat Kansas city to start the season. Right. So, I I think it would be like a big like, oh, Patrick Mahomes already lost to Detroit. Like, it's time for him to come back and show who's boss uh, when it counts. But aside from that, I am going to look at these matchups individually and give you what I think. I like Detroit. I I know it sounds crazy, but the way San Fran came out, um, they were very complacent. And yes, I know they're not going to come out that way in the NFC Championship. But to me, I feel like there's a lot more pressure on San Francisco to do well than there is on Detroit, knowing that Detroit hasn't been there um since what'd you say 1991
0: yeah 91 was last time so
1: it's I mean they're in this massive drought but my thing about San Fran and I've already kind of stated it is the fact that they keep getting to this point and it's like there's a threshold to where they can't break through and win one so I I I put the pressure on them I put the pressure on Brock Purdy I do believe that it's about that time that the seventh round pick and Brock Purdy might show up I mean it's the, moment, the moments get big. I know last year he was injured, but the moments get big, and, I mean, it, it's tough. It, it can't be easy for a guy uh, such as him. Now, I'm not a big fan of him as a football player. I, I like him as a person from what I've seen as far as interviews and stuff like that goes. So he seems like an easy guy to root for, but the pressure is going to be on um, when they play Detroit. They are at home. I like Detroit plus seven, at least. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to see Detroit go to a Super Bowl, so I'm I'm gonna root for the team that everyone else is probably rooting for, and I'm gonna take Detroit in this game.
0: Yeah, I'm also gonna take Detroit plus seven, but that's I, I actually think that San Fran wins this game. I just think that it's probably gonna be more like a four point game because it, I think that there could be some some variation with the scoring. I, I just think that like we wa- we saw how that Green Bay San Francisco game went, and I wouldn't be surprised if there might be. because Brock Purdy did not turn the ball over in that game, but there were some throws there where they, like Green Bay dropped some gifts. And I think that there's a possibility that Detroit has a little bit more experience on their defensive side of the ball that they might be able to take advantage of that is the way that I, I feel about it. So I, I would say that I still think San Francisco wins the game, but I take Detroit to cover the seven.
1: Okay. All right. Sounds good.
0: And we'll go ahead and move on to the AFC and, we have a. I, this is going to be a really interesting matchup because I have no idea really what to think about this game. I mean, I've only really had a, a few hours or hour or so to process what this matchup is going to look like, and that's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Baltimore Ravens, and they have the Baltimore Ravens as three point favorites to open.
1: I give me Patrick Mahomes um, in this game. I, you're you're call me crazy. It's hard to it's hard to bet against Lamar and Baltimore right now. I mean, they are really they are really hot and they are just destroying anything that's in their path. But we talked to, I said this earlier and Patrick Mahomes and, and further than that, Andy Reed knows how to win football games. He finds a way to get it done when it matters. I think this is going to be a coaching masterclass. I really like what, what the Baltimore Ravens have to offer their defense looks good, but I also think this Kansas city defense looks decent. I think, you know, Baltimore has been running with a less than average wide receiver core. um, As far as it goes to getting this far in the season, like as far as getting to the NFC championship, their wide receiver core is a little weaker. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is leading their wide receiver core in the past six weeks. I think it is. And you have Trent McDuffie. You have Snead. You have uh, Chris Jones. I I think this defense could possibly shake things up for Lamar Jackson.
0: So I, I'm of the opinion that if if the Kansas City Chiefs' run defense that we saw in the second half of the Buffalo game shows up, I think this game's pretty close. Right. If it That's that's if they do. Yeah, because if, they it's, they all, it's, they, it's all what ifs. It because, hasn't happened yet. Well, I know. But what I'm saying is if the Kansas City Chiefs do not play that way the entire game, which if I'm being honest, I I'm not sure that they can – because I just saw them only do it for half of, uh, half of football. And they end up winning the game because of it. But I also think this Baltimore defense is a hell of a lot better than the Bills defense that's completely depleted. Like that had, I don't know, what was it like? They showed a graphic in the game. It was like eight guys out either due to injury or being on IR. So I, I think this Baltimore defense, who didn't have Marlon Humphrey last week, who might get him back, who's one of the best corners in football, I think that this Baltimore defense is going to be really, really tough on Patrick Mahomes. And I think that if Kansas City, the, I think their only hope in, in winning this game is if they can stop Baltimore from running the ball. And if they cannot, which I, I do want to mention something. I know that whenever we previewed the game last week, I was under the impression that Mark Andrews would be back. It does not seem like he w- he, he did not play in that game. But it does seem like he's going to be back this week. And I, I just of the opinion that I think it's just too much for this Chiefs this version of the Chiefs team to handle. I know that I'm like probably doing the cardinal sin of you know choosing the side opposite Patrick Mahomes. But I'm going to do it. I, I think that this I think that this Baltimore team is a team that is not the type of matchup that you wanted to see this Kansas City Chiefs team go against is the way that I see it. Okay. So I'm taking Baltimore minus 3 and I I honestly think they can win by a touchdown.
1: I, I, I think Baltimore could win this game. I I think this game is very winnable for both sides of the ball. Um, I just it, it betting against Patrick Mahomes is like betting against Tom Brady. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not. I understand. No, that. I'm just know, not. Afra- I'm, I'm not afraid to do it. it, it you can, right? No, and I and and you know if if everybody agreed in the world, the world would be boring, as Dad would say. Right. Um, everybody needs to have their own opinion. And my opinion is is that I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. And I'm going to take him to get to a, yet another Super Bowl. And, I mean, who wouldn't want to see Jason Kelsey at a so, Super Bowl? So
0: just just to be clear, before we proceed into our final segment of the show, at, now that we're done with the preview because there's no more games. <laughs> um, so just to be clear, you are – you're predicting based on what you think is going to happen. You think, you think it's going to be Kansas city, Detroit, or do you think it's going to be Kansas city, San Fran?
1: No, I think it's, I think it's going to be Kansas city, Detroit. I think Detroit is, I, I, I think, and I hope that Detroit will beat San Francisco. I think San Francisco is probably the, it's tough to say because Baltimore's still in it, but I think San Francisco is the most, the more complete team. Yeah. As far as a roster goes, but I just I just think that Jared Goff and this Detroit team and that fan base are going to rise to the occasion um, and get the job done.
0: I will say, I personally hope that if Baltimore wins, which we'll know because I believe the AFC Championship – no, 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 I'm sorry. We'll, because the AFC Championship is first, we'll know who the AFC representative is uh, first before the NFC Championship game. But if Baltimore ends up winning – I will say for the sake of my watchability during the Super Bowl, I do not want Detroit to win the game. Because if Detroit, if Baltimore wins and if Detroit wins, I, I really think that the Super Bowl is not going to be a very close game. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest with you. And it's not because of the game, because they did play the Lions and the Ravens one time before in the season. I don't know if you remember that game. bloodbath. the Ravens freaking whooped. The Lions like 40 to 6
1: or something crazy like that. 41 to 6, I think. I'm going to go and find it.
0: I, if I, that's pretty 38, good by me.
1: 30, 38 to 6.
0: Okay, my point stands though. It was bad. So I'm not saying it would be that bad of a game, but I, I think it would be a worse game from a watchability factor if we know for a fact that Baltimore is the winner on the AFC side if Detroit wins. I think if Baltimore wins, I would much rather have San Francisco, which I do think it's going to be Baltimore, San Francisco for the record, but it can I will say if Kansas city wins, I think either of the NFC teams would be fine. I think that there's a lot of storylines there. I just think that the one matchup of these four possible Super Bowl matchups that I would hate to see is Baltimore Detroit, because I just think that it wouldn't be close, but, that's... but we can, but I mean, that's all the football we got for this week, man. We're that's... less and less games every week.
1: Getting down to the nitty gritty.
0: Yeah, and uh, speaking of the nitty-gritty, Parker is going to have to
1: – Before we get into betting bros, I have a question. Okay. Would you be willing to give me a shot? Can we do a betting bros for the Pro Bowl? <laughs> Your shot's going to be done in the Super Bowl because I'm giving you player props and stuff too. I know, but in the, in the Pro Bowl, we, we, we can do player
0: props. Oh, my God. Fine, I'll throw you a bone, and I'll give you something Pro Bowl-related – into that week, we'll, we'll come up with an idea though. Okay, maybe it's <laughs> like, gonna be ridiculous. Maybe like, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it would be hilarious. Oh yeah, my god. Okay, all right, that's fine. So we we'll do that. But going into our actual betting, bros. Uh, right now, Parker still has quite a bit of deficit to cover, but obviously, I'm opening the door for him and trying to give him a chance to come back, which I'm okay with. I'm not against it. Uh, right now, I'm up $429.84, and Parker's down $975.50, kind of maintaining the same uh, margin. It, we haven't really budged much, uh, but we, we've we kind of kept that same you know $1,300 to $1,400 margin over the last couple of weeks. But uh, I'll go ahead and give my picks. I mean, I we're only taking these two games this week. I am allowing you to do one thing this week, and that is I'm allowing you to parlay some of your picks. And that could possibly help you come back. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give my picks. I have Baltimore KC under 45 and a half at minus 110. Uh, I think that this could be like a 27 to 10 or not 27 to 10. I think this could be like a 24 to 20 kind of game. Uh, I do think that there's going to be a lot of run game in this game. I think that because of the Baltimore secondary and even the Chiefs secondary, honestly, I, I think that both passing games might be a little bit, um not not just not as effective as we've seen them uh leading up to this game. So I, I think that game is gonna be a little bit lower scoring than people think. And then I'm gonna take Detroit plus seven at minus one twenty. We already talked about it. I think we both like Detroit uh to keep it within the touchdown. I I'm not saying that it's out of the question that they win this game. I think that it's gonna be a closer game than seven points, which is why I'm taking that. And then lastly, I, I got Baltimore minus three as my lock of the week, minus one eighteen. I, I just I gave my reasoning as to why I really like Baltimore in this game, and I just I I don't have a ton of ways that I see Kansas City winning this game outside of Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes, which is not super uncommon. <laughs> so,
1: all right, well I, I like those picks. I'm actually in a predicament where I have to switch it up. I have to I have to catch up to you essentially. So You do. What I am going to do is because you were letting me parlay, I do not get a lock this week. So I'm pretty much going to forfeit my extra lock money and I am putting all three of my units on one parlay. Okay. That being said, and I think that's the only fair way to do it if I'm right. Like I I would agree. Yes. I think I think I would All three, I don't get a lock. Correct. So this is my lock of the week for three units, three full units. I'm taking Kansas city over 45 and a half points in the chiefs, Baltimore game. I'm going the opposite of you. I think there's going to be, a. I think there's going to be a decent amount of points scored in that game. Um, Lamar Jackson and Patty Mahomes are going to find a way to put points on the board for their team. And, I'm also going to take the Chiefs' money line. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. That man knows how to win. And I'm going for the long shot. Yes, I'm taking Detroit money line plus 225 and parlaying all three of those together to give myself a chance in the Super Bowl to catch up. up.
0: So with that said, uh, Parker, those three together will actually, actually put you way up on me. So this could be a mistake on my part. <laughs> but uh, if you happen to win and all three of those hit, uh, you would have a total payout of $4,167.29.
1: Maybe Which I should have changed then- my picks. I could have went a little safer. <laughs> That's not good. I could have taken like, I what am I doing? I, I have taken, no idea. Like, I could have taken like, oh man that was not good <laughs> well i didn't know it was learned <laughs> i was like man i gotta hit a home run here it's like plus it's like 14 to 1
0: odds on those three.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. i should have so, just like i just like part i of thought it. you
0: were just gonna take both i thought you were gonna take both money both lines yeah or both something like that i i did not expect you to go that crazy but hey if it hits, it it's so good luck with that. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, all right, well, in the meantime, uh, we appreciate you guys listening this week and we hope that you enjoy this conference championship week. And
1: Parker, do you have any parting thoughts before we end the show? Yes, I do want to mention about the two. I want to give a little update about the two peas playoff challenge uh, because you and I are both in the top five. And I'm not. We're not going to go through the whole list, but I think it's. I think it's cool for us to announce who the top five are, um, first to fifth every week while we do this challenge, just to you know shout out some of the guys that are in the in the uh, contest. So if you want to run through the top five,
0: all right. Yeah. So the top five as of right now is uh, me. After this is just after the wild card round. I have not calculated totals for the divisional round, so we'll see. But it is uh, me in first place? You know, everybody calls me a cheater, but I, whatever. I, I'm an honest man, so you you know me. But, and then second, we have a uh, Frank W. So, a buddy of mine. Uh, he is in second place. He actually won the whole thing last year.
1: So, uh, oh, my boy Frank. trying I sure. go back to back.
0: Right. And then we have um, a buddy Sean K. So, he is in third. He actually won it the year before. So, <laughs> it looks like the two people who have won this competition more recently are actually still staying hot uh, at the beginning. Then we have uh, my friend Jared T. So he's probably happy he's doing well in this. I don't think he has done well in this historically. So good to have a good first week. And then
1: there's you at fifth. Yeah. Uh, look at us. Who would have thought? What is the what is the point point total from first to fifth place? Let's give that to you. What What's the gap looking like?
0: Uh, from first to fifth, the gap is really not that significant.
1: I mean, it's only one week. But this yeah. kind of shows how tight the race is, if someone's running away with it or not
0: yeah uh the so the gap is i mean i have 133.98 points and then a second place has 127 uh third has 124 fourth has 124 and you have 122 so there's only a 11 point gap separating uh first and fifth place so still very tight it, it i'm about to input the totals for week two or the divisional round so it's going to change probably after i do that but
1: but yeah that, that's really all we got you got anything else outside of that no, man, good luck to, uh, to everybody this week if your team is still in the race. And I wish you all a, a, a great week, and we'll catch you guys next week. All right, talk to you later. All right, peace.